ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Nosebleeds. Nosebleeds, nosebleeds, nosebleeds. This is Nosebleeds, the baseball podcast of WFUV Sports. We're so grateful that you've joined us. It's near the end of July. This is our final episode, actually, before Major League Baseball's trade deadline at the end of this month. So this will be very exciting. We've got so much to talk about. My name is Dylan Balsamo. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm here with my co-hosts today, Mr. Ryan Gregware and Mr. Thomas Quigley. Our producer, Miles Grossman, is also in the Zoom room with us. So it's a full house today. But there's so much to get to, so I just want to start right away. Ryan, I'm going to to come to you first because we got to talk about the Yankees because, you know, I've been trying to be positive about them all year. But yesterday, their Sunday loss to the Red Sox was a disaster. Yeah, it was like the seventh soul-crushing, like, once-a-season loss of the season. It's funny, too, because even when they had a no-hitter, you're almost programmed at this point to to see it coming. I texted – Alex, our, you know, the producer usually. And I was like, when you have a no hitter and it feels like you're losing the game, that's how, you know, you have been through something. And that's exactly what it felt like, because they still like, they had a ton of chances to blow it open. They, the bases loaded one out, I think in the seventh, they didn't get a run in and you just kind of saw it coming just because it has been the theme this season. Excuse me. I do have a cold, so I'm going to be battling that. So if I'm coughing and whatever, that's what it is. But you know, like this season has, we, we've questioned the last few weeks what the script was at the writing. And I think it is just like the biggest nightmare of all time, like hell on earth, something that you just want to forget. And it's like, it's funny, every time we do the show, it's after one of these losses. I never get a break. I didn't get put on the show last week when they won two or three from the Red Sox. But, you know, luck, a funny thing of coming around. And so losing three or four in Fenway. Overall, I think if you look at it, isn't the worst case scenario with it, with the guys that were hurt and COVID and everything. But when you look at the games specifically, specifically Thursday and Sunday, I think Thursday, we don't want to brush over here. I think that was just as soul crushing of a loss. It's just a little bit in the rearview mirror. When you have losses like those, um, when you pitch the way you do starters wise and still lose three or four, it's more than demoralizing. I said before we started, like, the, I am rock bottom as a Yankees fan, so I have to only look up because there is no looking down. I am the ground. So, you know, we'll get we'll get more into it, I'm sure. But, yeah, nightmarish weekend for the Yankees dropping three of four, falling nine back in the division, and it doesn't really get any better coming up. I love that you mentioned script because whoever's writing this script, especially for this weekend, needs a raise because this, this is very entertaining baseball. And I know, obviously, for Yankees fans – it's nothing but pain and suffering. But, you know, a, a, a no-hitter going through seven innings and then five runs straight up on the board and you end up losing that game, that is a script that really is something that you would have to write to believe. So, personally, I'm kind of enjoying watching this, this collapse, but uh, I know it's, it's a hard time for you guys, and uh, I, I feel for you. It is I, – I don't even know how to – to feel because you're right it's incredibly entertaining i'll give you that but it's also just like it's just so sad to see all of this money be used for nothing like it's it just like it makes me it makes me unwell i can't believe there's that much money being used for nothing and i can understand a yankee fan after especially after a loss on sunday be like blow it all up it, it, like it's done 
This effort is done. Fire Aaron Boone, trade everybody away. Just let's just forget about this and move on to 2022. But you can't do that now because there's still two months of a season left to be played. The Yankees are still, you know, uh, all things considered, they're still in contention here. You know, they're still fighting this division um, in in arguably one of the toughest divisions baseball has baseball has ever seen this American league East here in 2021, this coming week, they got Tampa Bay for three, and then they're going to go to Miami to play also with the Marlins for an interleague series or reuniting with Derek Jeter of some sort. So that'll be very fun. But Ryan, Ryan I'll, I'll come to you here for, first again, this coming week for the Yankees. I have, we, we've been saying this last two, three weeks of like th- that. This is a big week. This is a deciding week for them, but I think now more than ever, this is a very deciding week for them. So what should we be looking for from them? in this uh in this weekend yeah and it's one clear thing but just to go off what you said i think why it's so frustrating is because normally after these kind of weekends and losses you would want to just blow everything up put your head on the pillow and don't wake up until april but the reality of the situation is they're only two back in the loss column the playoff spot like i know no one wants to say it but they didn't lose any ground this weekend they didn't losing three of four with the mariners uh i think they swept the a's and so right now, you know, you have the Mariners uh, game and a half out of the wild card. You're a better team on paper. You played better than the Mariners when you played them. You get them again in a few weeks now. The A's you also get, you took two or three from them earlier. There's really like, it's really mind boggling, like how the season isn't over, but it's been over so many times because I think that's what we've had. And so for sure, Dylan, when you look at this week, it falls on the bullpen. And it was what carried the Yankees early on in the year when you had stretches where the starters collapse and you had the lineup obviously massively underperform, the bullpen kept this team in check. I think it led to them kind of overperforming earlier on the year, but that is completely flipped. And we've talked about it so much, the inconsistencies, and that's what you've seen. I believe since the start of June, the bullpen is a six ERA. That's the highest in baseball. The starters have the second lowest ERA with a 2.85. So it has shifted. You saw it, especially in the Red Sox series with the bullpen, blowing two of those games. And if you just do the job, it's not like you were putting them in an impossible situation Four run lead with six outs to go two run lead with three outs to go. These aren't crazy things you're asking them to do. If you just did that, you would have won like 13 of 17. You'd be on a real run here, but it's the bullpen and it's going to have to, you know, play better this week. There's no denying it. There's a few reasons, you know, you had Britain coming back from the IL. Loisga was pushed. I think that's a real criticism of Boone to throw him out there two straight days when he had a week and a half off coming back from the COVID list. Obviously he was exhausted. He had nothing Sunday. I think he gave up five hits, faced five batters. So you have Britain coming back Chapman. We know we've talked about him and Chad green will have a game every two or three weeks where he just doesn't have anything. So I think those have been a combination of factors and like the bullpen, it shouldn't be a question mark, but it's why they've lost these games. So you're going to need the bullpen to step up because you do really have to give credit to this rotation. Herman seven, no hit innings. He hadn't gone further than four innings in his last like three starts. So for him to do that against this lineup, Jordan Montgomery shut out baseball. Tyone, who I think if we want to find one positive from this last month, it's been Jamison Tyone. He had the fourth lowest ERA in baseball over his last four starts. So there are the rotation wise, it is kind of coming to form here, but it's the bullpen and it's what's been blowing them. These games in Houston versus the Mets and now versus the Red Sox. And it's going to need to step up against the Rays because we know how good their bullpen is. Every year they figure it out somehow. And the Yankees have been able to match them to their point the last three or four years. 
But the way it's pitching now, they will lose these games because they don't hit enough. They don't hit enough to be able to survive this poor bullpen. They're hitting a little bit now, but it's not enough to, you know, weather the storm. So pinpoint one thing, it is 100% the bullpen. It needs to step up first Tampa and Miami this week. Personally, I think that, uh, I mean, obviously the bullpen is to blame for a lot of the Yankee struggles like recently, especially in this past series. Um, but even yesterday, I mean, just going to the bullpen might have been a bad decision from Aaron Boone. Everybody in New York obviously wants his head on a pike right now. But um, I don't know. The, the quick leash uh, of taking out Herman after just one hit, everybody in the broadcast was saying, oh, if he gives up one hit, they're going to take him out. And that's usually what happens these days. But he wasn't very far into the hunt. He wasn't even – he hadn't reached triple digits yet in pitches. He's somewhere in the 80s. Honestly, if you keep him in that game after he gives the, up the first hit, it, it could be a completely different situation because – you kind of give the other team momentum if you pull your hitter or pull your starter as soon as he gives up his first hit in the eighth inning. So I think, you know, a, a lot of eyes can continue to look at the manager right now for the Yankees' continued struggles, uh, as much as that's a very tired trope these days. So I, I understand what you're saying, uh, Quiggs, and I feel like there are a lot of managers in, in baseball who they're, uh, they're going to be throwing a no-hitter, and as soon as they give up their first hit, they're coming out of the game. And then very clearly, it's just something for vanity. It's just something for the aesthetic of throwing a no-hitter and, and putting this guy's arm and career and season at risk just so they can have that accomplishment that we've seen so much this year already. But, you know, and, and you can criticize Aaron Boone all you want. Uh, per- personally, for, for me, uh, he, he looked a little. He looked a little taxed after giving up that first hit. I feel like I I would have taken him out, and I would have been more confident in that if the bullpen had been better recently. But we can put as much blame on this bullpen as we want. Obviously, the problem here is not the starting rotation. They've been as good as you could really ask for. I would say for the most part for them. Obviously, you talk about Herman and Tyone and Garrett Cole. Obviously, Corey Kluber has had his his great uh, stretches, including a no hitter himself. So that's all worth saying. You know, offensively, they've been they have been better the last you could say two weeks, but still, it's just not there. It's just not there. And for a team with this kind of payroll, to look at the bot to look at the bottom of their lineup, the seven eight nine is just is just lackluster. Uh, I it it just it it boggles my mind. And you can call that a managerial thing all you want, but I to me, it's it's less of an Aaron Boone thing and more of a Brian Cashman thing. It was like I feel like this. This organization has built itself very top heavy. They've got lots of stars. They got lots of personality and personality is not a bad thing, but it is a bad thing if you are not producing. And that's, that's what's coming down to it for the Yankees right now. They got, they got plenty of solid pieces, but you can't just win with just the solid pieces. You need at least something of value all over the field. And, and to me, you know, you look at a team like the Rays, they're about to play for three games and the Rays are just a perfect example of how to continuously build up your franchise after it keeps getting torn down. You know, you could actually, you know, look at this. Uh, <laughs> you could look at this week and, and see the Rays and the Marlins, the two teams are the two perfect examples of the two opposite ways of doing things. And it's worked terribly for the Marlins in trying to rebuild their team after winning a world series twice. It's happened to them. And the Rays just keep, keep being able to rebuild themselves. So for me, this is a very much an organizational issue. And that's not to say there's not blame to be put on, on Aaron Boone, uh, on the bullpen here, but this is, you know, they're just playing with the best that they've been given. And I really just don't think as, as great of a, of a player as I think Aaron judge and Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole and all these guys are, it's just not enough when they're placed so top heavily 
that that's my issue here. So my question for you guys, and I want to come to you here, Quiggs first, is um, what where do the Yankees go from here? Because you know, obviously, we're going to talk a lot more about the trade deadline later. But specifically from the Yankees' perspective, where do you go about trying to solve things here? Because I don't even know where they should start. Yeah, I mean. I texted you guys earlier, obviously, as a joke, saying the Yankees are one piece away. There are <laughs> more pieces than that away from playoff run. And obviously, this is an organization that's so used to being in the postseason. They don't really settle for anything less than a postseason run. Uh, I think in the last 27 years, they've only missed the playoffs four times, which is kind of unbelievable to think about. But uh, this season just does not look terribly I – can't, I can't look at the season optimistically – even from a very non-biased standpoint, when I look at this Yankees team, just because of how they've been extremely unable to have any consistency going for them at all this season. You know, it's been up and down and up and down. And as soon as they look like they're taking a turn for the best, they have one of these series against the Red Sox where they just drop two games that they easily should have won um, in en route to you know, losing three or four to a, a division rival. So where, where do they go from here? I don't know. They're obviously not going to sell because they never do. Uh, even if they necessarily should, I don't know if they necessarily should. I mean, they have plenty of, of good talent in their farm system. I think it's fourth best in the majors uh, ranked by fan drafts. Uh, and they also have, you know, a, a decent core that has been able to make them, you know, contenders year in and year out for the past five years. Uh, so, I don't know if it's just an off year for them. I don't know if it's, you know, a deeper rooted virus in, in within the organization right now that's just not letting them, you know, live up to the expectations that were set very high for them heading into this season. I think what they'll do at the deadline is something of a, a bit, they'll, they'll buy a bit, but I just don't see that this team can rationalize sending away so many of their young talent um, that are in the minors right now. Because you have to build for the future, and you already have a, a very good team on paper. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're gonna really make much of an or much of a, a run, even if they were to sneak into the playoffs this year. I don't think it's worth it at all to go out there and make some big splashes and get big names, whether that be you know Trevor Story or Joey Gallo. So I think maybe it's best for the Yankees right now to kind of just assess where they are right now and maybe just sit wait out, maybe make a few, a few minor moves um, to at least look forward to the next couple of years, because I don't think this year is really in the cards for the Yankees as far as postseason goes. Well, here is why I disagree with that, because we can all look at the Yankees and talk about how disappointing they've been, how crushing these losses are. And when you look at it all like that, you know, it's really been miserable. And I made this point earlier, but when you factor that all in and then you factor in the wild card standings only being three games out only having to jump one team that's why you do it that gives you enough reason we talk about on paper and on paper you know they should be way better but at some point like if you go for it and I am a proponent in going forward I've been all in on Joey Gallo for a bit now um and even if this year right you know you talk about if this year is a wash which you know I can be objective it certainly looks like it could be you know if they don't Show if they don't put together the legit stretch, and I think that's all they need. I think they just need one huge stretch, and they'll be fine. If they can't do that, then yeah, would be watch a guy like Gal is on their contract next year. And this core, why why I would go out and get a move, it's not going anywhere the next two years. But then it gets tricky. You're gonna have to pay some guys. You're gonna have to let some guys walk. And so while you do have them under contract on their rookie, you know, somewhat controllable deals for the most part, 
I think that's why you'd be aggressive. I think the standings don't give them too much of a reason to back out. Obviously, it's been disappointing. But to be as close as they are, and especially with a guy like Boone, who I think it's a playoff mandate, they're not firing him in season. I see every time after one of these losses, it's like, oh, I'll be shocked if Boone's on the plane. He is going to be on the plane if they lose every game this year. That is the reality of Aaron Boone tied into the Yankees. But I do think when you look past this year, it certainly is a playoff mandate. I don't think they just want to sit back. You don't want to fire your manager when you have a stretch run, when you have a core under contract. That's not really a recipe for success. So I do think a guy like Gallo, Trevor Story is a guy they've been linked to. I think that is interesting. You know, we will get into more trade deadline stuff in a, in a sec here. But Trevor Story, like his expected, if he played every game at Yankee Stadium, which obviously he only played half, he'd have 27 homers this year. He only has 12. So he's a guy who's made it for the ballpark. We know Gallo in that short porch would be something special. You know, a Starlin Marte, who's already cut off negotiations with the Marlins. He can't be too expensive in the last year of his deal. They are going to be looking to just get something back for him. I think you do go make a move. I don't see the benefit of just standing pat because then you're basically punting on it and you're asking your guys who've been here all year and haven't been able to do so to turn it around or you're accepting not making the playoffs. And I think that's even worse because that is, as we said, there is so much expectations on the team. It's not like they're coming out of nowhere and they're doing this. This is a team who's been in the playoffs four straight years, who's had top three world series odds, all of them. So you can't just, I don't think punt on a year like this. There's still so much time. Obviously I think the next week, uh, so it's going to be very telling. We saw the one time in that 27 years that you just brought up, Quiggs, they sold was 2016. And then I believe the turning point was a sweep around this point in the season by the Rays. They were in this sort of three and a half back. They got swept by the Rays and that pushed them to sell some older players. I don't see them doing that this year just because there are not many guys they would sell. It would be standing pat. That would be their version of selling. And I don't think I'm never proponent that in any sport. I think you always have to either put all your chips in the table or take them all out. And right now, you know, with the track record the last four years, they haven't been putting them all in, in terms of the trade market in July. 2019, we remember, it was so frustrating. They clearly needed an arm and they just watched as every other team got better besides them. They saw the Astros get Granky and they saw themselves stamp Pat. Same thing in 2017, when they saw the Astros get Verlander, they haven't been willing to give up those prospects. And you talked about the fourth ranked farm system. It really has came up the last few years. None of them, though, are really major league ready. So there's not that much value in that in you know, the next year or so because a lot of these guys' ETAs are 2023 plus. And when you have the core right now, I'd be willing to give up like an Anthony Volpe who is a few years away and is a top 10 Yankees prospect if it means getting a guy like Gallo. I know I've been going on for a while here, but I just wanted to make that point because I think, yeah, sorry, but I just think it's really important that I think this, this week is very telling, but I don't see in any way the Yankees sell standing pat is probably what they do i will not be a fan if they do so i'll kill them even harder on next monday's show because i don't agree with the fundamentals of doing that but we will see what brian cashman does it's a really huge trade deadline and it's going to show a lot of what they think of this team i think that's a really important aspect as well well folks that's all we have time for see you next week no i'm kidding They're all excellent points to be made and worth saying ryan it is worth noting um as of just a few minutes i believe before we started uh recording this uh this episode of the podcast the yankees did make a trade uh, they got right-handed reliever Clay Holmes from the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they traded uh, infielders Hoy Park and Diego Castillo uh, over to Pittsburgh. But that is uh, that is done being said here. But to, to wrap things up here, I, specifically my issue with the Yankees, and this is something I was, I was trying to point at earlier, is, uh, yeah, for, for one thing, Aaron Boone is not Billy Martin. He's here for the rest of the season at the very least. If not, I think they're going to give him another year, quite honestly, knowing the Yankees. I really think that. 
But in, in terms of trades, I have had issues in the past with the way the Yankees trade because they they are very um, they are very uh, buzzword heavy in terms of, of players they want to get. They will go they will go and they'll get that big name who maybe not isn't the best available player on the market, but is is it is a name that you know an Ichiro, a Jacoby Ellsbury, an 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 aging star who we all know the name of, who who they think will fit the New York glamour, and they are they, in the past they've been willing to give up prospects to make those kinds of moves. So that's my concern. That I don't think that's what the Yankees should do. Um, I don't think they're going to sell. I and I, I don't think it's actually physically possible for them to sell. I don't think it's economically possible for them to sell in this economy not happening but you know what it comes down to is the Yankees are going to have to make a move if they want to compete here I don't I don't think they're going to be able to push the envelope in these last two months of the season with what they have they need at least something else if not two or three more pieces but uh that's all we have to say about the Yankees because we've already been going on for like three four hours at this point and we got to get to the other team in New York who you know has been having their struggles the New York Mets certainly have but they definitely had a, a better week let's say that then then the Yankees did we'll say they get two out of three in Cincinnati in a series they honestly should have swept they're a better team than the Cincinnati Reds are but that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes and they end up taking two or three from a, a team that is very good in the Toronto Blue Jays at home in Queens this past weekend they've got five against the Atlanta Braves heading into uh Monday they're in the middle of a doubleheader right now in that first game Jock Peterson hit an RBI double in the third inning the Braves have a one nothing lead in that first uh, game that of course seven innings being a doubleheader but they got five against the Braves they got three against the Reds this weekend all of those at home and that finishes up this homestand so Ryan I'll start with you here in evaluating this week for the Mets and however they're, they're going to move forward what are your prospects for what this uh, the future holds for this team in the coming weeks and, and really months yeah first off I want to say the five game series is awesome from a fan perspective I know yeah. from your, your perspective it might be nerve-wracking because all the hard work this season can theoretically get washed away but to, to, you know, with the doubleheaders and everything, to get five straight, I think is just awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a side thing. And I think it is critical because I think I do really believe they can bury the Braves here. This is their division to lose. Um, you know, we saw the Phillies. We didn't really mention this. They played the Yankees. The Yankees took both games, was not impressed at all by the Phillies. And I've been pretty positive on the Mets. But now I think my perspective is like it would be a travesty and a disaster if they don't win this division yeah. all the cards are lining up for them I know they've been really unfortunate with injuries and I know we'll get into that but just looking at how it's went out it really would be a disaster if they're unable to do this so I feel like if they do take four of five from the Braves we could see the Braves you know doing a 180 and selling maybe they trade a Jock Peterson who they just traded for and you just mentioned has already made an impact here today so I think, you know, it was nice to take those series versus the Reds and Blue Jays, but those don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. We talked so much about the division opponents. This is one that you need to do. You cannot lose four or five. I guess, you know, if they go two and three, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. It's not the worst case scenario, but you do really have a chance to put them in the coffin. I don't have any trust in the Phillies. Like this really is a critical stretch because all things considered, I've seen the pendulum in both directions on social media or whatever. Some people will say how the Mets did the best they could with all the injuries and stuff to be up four games, a miracle. But then you have the other perspective, how they've been playing 500 ball for the last 40 games or so. And so to still be in the division is lucky. So I've seen both arguments. I think it is somewhere in the middle where they've been given a great hand in terms of their division, but also very unlucky with the injuries. So I do think that will balance out. And at some point you're going to get those guys to come back. We'll get over, we'll, we'll talk more about a Pete Alonzo in a second, 
But, you know, he has been 2019 Pete Alonso, and it's been the most critical time for him to do so. The home run derby, people talk about a lot how it hurts your swing. Um, if you actually do look deep into the analytics, guys are virtually the same if you look at a large sample size after. But it fixed Pete Alonso's swing. How funny is that? Pete Alonso is one of the highest hitters in baseball since the home run derby. He has seven homers in his last 15 games. So I think if you look at this series versus the Braves, if you lay an egg, it's going to really hurt. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look – I know it's not late into the season, but I feel like it will give feels of a late season collapse just because of how long the Mets have had this division. It has to, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I don't remember the last time they trailed. It was a long time ago. So I feel like when you've had it for so long, you have to, you have to hold your ground here. And I do think the Mets will do so. I'm not necessarily ripping them, but a huge series versus the Braves, nonetheless. And I feel like you just got to win, you know, you got to take three of the five, right? Pretend it's the NLDS, best of five series, win the series, advance to the next round. I don't know win this series if you're the Mets though. And I think, I think you are able to play 500 ball the rest of the year. I really do believe that, but not if you, not if you lay an egg versus the Braves, that's for sure. I mean, you got to like the Mets coming out of the NL East just because of, you know, their competition there. And obviously the Braves had such higher expectations going into the season and they have done exactly that lay an egg all season. So um, I don't know if I see the Braves really making a strong push uh, at the end of the season, especially without, you know, their best player um, in Ronald McCooney Jr. So um, I do like the Mets to come out of the NL East, but also it is essential for the Mets to win the division because if you don't win the division and you're in a National League team and you're not in the NL West, you're not making the playoffs because both yep. card teams are going to come out of that NL West, whether it's the Dodgers, Padres, or Giants, because just they're just all really good teams. Um, but I see – I mean, the Mets are really – they're kind of hitting their stride right now offensively. Um, and obviously there's still so many questions with, with the pitching rotation. We don't know how Jacob Grom uh, will, or whether he'll come back um, at all this season. We don't really know. It, it very, a lot of question marks um, surrounding the topic of Jacob Grom right now. And obviously he is the most indispensable uh, weapon that any team has in their pitching rotation. So that's a huge uh, point of concern that the Mets should definitely consider heading into the trade deadline. Um, but, you know, I see, I see the Mets making at least one big move, um, whether it's a, a starter or a big-time, big-name reliever. And I think that, uh, you know, already they made, they made the trade for Rich Hill. That's going to benefit them going down the line, uh, especially if they make a playoff run. Um, he's, a, he's proven in the playoffs. He is a, a just over three. ERA in the playoffs. He's been there in 13 appearances. He was with the Dodgers for a while um, during their runs to the World Series. I think that the Mets have a good chance to continue this this uh, this lead that they have in the NL East. And I kind of I, I expect them to play over 500 ball for the rest of the season, especially because you know they kind of have to uh, as long as you know the Braves are still kind of just only a few games back. And uh, you know the Phillies, I also have no confidence in them whatsoever. They just seem to be stalled every year, um, despite, you know, the massive contracts that they have. But um, I don't know. I wouldn't be too worried if I was Mets right now, but the, there are definitely need, moves that need to be made uh, before Friday. It is certainly the Mets division to lose at this point, as much as they seem to not want it sometimes, which is just very interesting with, with the way things have gone. But of course, they've been they've been hit by the by the injury bug. I just, I think I just combined two phrases there. They've been bit by the injury bug. That's the phrase. They've been bit by the injury bug as much as any team this year, if not more. 
if you're not counting their their counterpart in the National League East, of course, the Atlanta Braves. I just think that's such a momentum blow losing Acuna that they could, you know, they still got a lot of talent on that roster. I just don't think they'd be able to put it together. And I feel bad for, you know, Freddie Freeman and Ozzie Albies and Jock Peterson if he ends up staying there and Arcia and, and all these guys just because they got a lot of talent. It's just not going to happen for them. And this was their division to win, oh, to lose, excuse me, at the beginning of the year, and it's just not going to happen. I agree the Phillies looked really unimpressive in their series against the Yankees, and I, I think that really for me, because I had a lot of hope in the Phillies. I really thought they were going to push through. Uh, they they got a they got a talented team. They got a uh, they got a bit of a scrappiness that I think usually works, but it's just not going to pan out for them this year for one reason or another. Uh, so perhaps next year they'll be more competitive. But for, for this Mets team, you know, the the odds are continual continuously stacked against them, and uh, for whatever reason they continue to be able to push through. And you know, you're absolutely right, Ryan. This is a series. These five games this week when they can absolutely bury the Atlanta Braves. Uh, the question is whether or not they will. And uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure. But to hit upon a couple things you two had both mentioned, Pete Alonso, of course, has been in his form uh, since the uh, since the All-Star break, since the Home Run Derby break, or as he would refer to it. And there were a lot of people questioning before the Home Run Derby started if 2019 was just a, a fluke of a rookie season, if he was just going to be, you know, a 25, 30 maybe home run guy, and that was going to be the end of it. Uh, if he hits a homer every day this week, it could be a 30 by the end of the week. Um, he is, he's back in form. You talk about Jacob deGrom and, you know, obviously the, there's been help for him in the rest of the Mets starting rotation. Marcus Stroman's really having a career year. He's got one of the best DRAs in the national league at this point. Taiwan Walker's been overall pretty good. He struggled over his last couple of starts. So we'll see if he's able to get things back in shape. Of course, having a guy like Rich Hill is going to be there, but the problem for the Mets specifically since we'll say the beginning of the Pittsburgh series on the road at the start of this, at the start of the second half has been uh, the taxing of the bullpen. Because obviously their starting rotation is a bit of a question right now. Even with the addition of Rich Hill, it's just not a full rotation without Jacob deGrom and with the losses of David Peterson and Joey Lucchese and all these guys who have tried to step up uh, throughout the season during different times. They've had a lot of bullpen games. Today's start, Marcus Stroman started the first game as we are talking, as we speak during the recording of this for the Mets. If he can't go six or seven innings, today that's going to be a real problem because they do not have any starter announced for game two of this of this doubleheader they don't have a starter announced for Tuesday they're going to need this bullpen continuously and that brings me to my question uh for you guys quicks I'll, I'll I'll jump to you here first when it comes to the Mets of the deadline and again we'll talk more about the trade deadline in in, in a few minutes but where where do they turn do, do they go get another starter to try and bolster that rotation or do they get another arm in the bullpen? Or, you know, the offense has been pretty good lately, but is it going to stay like that? What, what do the Mets do? I think the focus needs to be on pitching. And obviously, you know, they're, you have three of your, uh, of your top starters that are injured right now, and you really have not a great idea of when they'll come back, if they'll be back at all, um, especially with the uh, Syndergaard. Uh, so I think the focus needs to be just on the bullpen, just because it's, it's a thing that you know you need help with and uh, you don't necessarily have reinforcements coming back. So I think a cheap option that they might be able to uh, go after is Rysel Iglesias of the Angels. He's uh, having a pretty, pretty nice year, 3-4-3 ERA over 44 and two-thirds innings, 13.5 uh, strikeouts per nine and a whip of .918. Um, an opposing batting average of 202. He's in his last year of his contract. And the Angels, you know, they're kind of just in purgatory out there. I mean, they have two of the best players in the world. 
um, for baseball, but, you know, one of them's injured right now. They can never put it together. And uh, once again, they're below 500. They're probably going to be looking to sell. That's a good move, in my opinion. I also think that, obviously, this would be a lot more expensive uh, with the talent you would have to fork over. But Craig Kimbrell is obviously another another hot ticket item right now with the Cubs struggling and have been struggling for a while since they dropped out of first place this season. Um, he's been, you know, unbelievable with a 0.5 ERA over 32 and a third innings, uh, 15.4 strikeouts per nine and a 0.67 whip. Uh, you know, posing batting average of 101, that's really hard to beat. Um, I know for a reliever, you only, it's a smaller sample size than starters, but, you know, Kimbrell has demonstrated how valuable he can be especially in the playoffs and playoff runs on the 2018 Red Sox. He was really phenomenal down the stretch. Obviously he started to struggle during the playoffs, but you know, he's a guy who's been around. He's a veteran. Um, I think he would be, you know, another guy that you could look for to bolster that bullpen. Uh, Cause I think that's probably a more urgent need uh, potentially than the starting pitching. Yeah. Um, I think the Mets are going to make a really big move and I don't want to go into what it is just because I think we're about to start the deadline and that's probably my hottest take an opinion, but I think the bullpen certainly, even if that's not the big number one guy you get, why not load up? Like there's never a reason not to load up on the bullpen. It's such a thing that I don't understand why every single team that even if they're locked in 100% bullpen, there's always help out there and you can always get some, a guy Taylor Rogers on the, Twins, you, you know, you pretty much hit on everyone quakes, but that's another guy who's probably the twins are going to be, it's going to be a fire sale there. So I assume he will go. And I don't think, you know, the Mets, there's no reason not to get the pen. There really isn't. Um, and so and I think you look at it there, it's good. And just talking about the Rich Hill trade, just because I didn't get a chance. I, first of all, from the race perspective, you can never understand them. They trade for Nelson Cruz a day before one of their first times they've ever taken on money in a deal. And then they follow it up. They trade, you know, just a really solid starter. That's what Rich Hill is. He's not going to light the world on fire, but you know what you're getting from him. So that made no sense to me to see them deal a guy like him for Tommy Hunter and a double-A catcher. So that was really weird. And Rich Hill, you know, that first start, I think, showed a lot. I know he was left in maybe a little too late and stuff, but the Blue Jays are a top, I'd say, 10-5 offense in baseball, and they're the most right-handed offense in baseball. So this was a terrible matchup for Rich Hill. And all things considered, he pitched pretty well. And I think it's critical just to get a rock solid guy like him because you have the upside at the start of the rotation with obviously a DeGrom and a Stroman and a Walker who has struggled a little bit recently. I think that is a little bit of a question. 5.6 ERA since the start of June. You know, I do think we expect him to fall down earth a little bit, but he will need to pick it back up. That is for certain. And that's why I think going after Richel was a great move. So overall, I think the Mets, they'd be foolish to not make a move at the deadline with kind of the gift they've been given of being in the NL East where you might not need the help right away and for these games, but you're going to need them versus, you know, foreshadowing here versus Milwaukee because they have probably the best overall arms in baseball when you account for their top big three and their bullpen. So I think that's going to be really telling. And I, I trust Steve Cohen. I trust Scott, the GM to really be aggressive here. And it's something that they haven't done in the past as I'm sure Dylan knows. And I think the changing of the guard, it's going gonna, it's gonna to show again that Steve Cohen it represents a new era for Mets fans, and he wants to win. And I think he will show that this deadline. Uh, as, as we speak, the Braves have extended their lead to 2-0 now. Dansby Swanson scored an RBI ground out from Marcia. So it's 2-0 Atlanta in that game. I believe they're in the top of the fourth right now. But one more thing about Rich Hill before we get going. I don't know if you guys saw uh, the, uh, the statistic from yesterday. So he made his first start with the Mets yesterday. He's 41 years old. Only one 
former New York Met has been older at the time of their Mets debut? If, if you know it, don't answer. But, like, if you don't know it, does anyone know who it is? I have a guess. Who do you think it is? Uh, R.A. Dickey? Not R.A. Dickey. Good guess, though. Is, is it Bartola? No. That's also a very good guess. It's Warren Spahn. He's not going to get that. In, in 1965, he was 43 years old. Isn't that the craziest thing you ever heard? I saw that yesterday on the on the Jumbotron at the game, and I just I couldn't believe I couldn't believe it. I was like, Warren Spahn? Well, first off, I had no idea where in the context of the 20th century Warren Spahn played baseball because that he sounds like a World War I veteran. Yes. So I was like, wait a minute. But in, in 1965, are you, are you serious? It just it totally blew my mind. So I thought I'd share it with you guys. Just I think that's just crazy. Um, uh, but in the in summation here, I would have to agree with you guys. The Mets are going to need to get some kind of arm of some sort. I would think some kind of long reliever because I think the star rotation is going to solve itself eventually by mid-August. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it could be a whole bunch of different things. But in 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 our final little segment here, we only got a few minutes left. But I want to talk about this trade deadline here. I want your opinions on what what's a, what's a what's a trade or a team that should be trading that you we haven't talked about yet that you think is going to happen. Ryan, I, I know you had something cooking regarding uh, the Metropolitans. Yeah, I have something for the Mets, something for the Red Sox. For the Mets, Zach Scott, shout out Sam Davis, who's covering the game today. He put this quote on Twitter. And I think if you're a Mets fan, you love this. He talked about how he has no problem trading in the division. And we've seen that be a hurdle. We've even seen the Will Ponds. They weren't even willing to trade with the Yankees in spite. And yeah. so he said that he expects, you know, he'd trade in the division and he'd expect a division tax, which I think is fair. And so if you look around the division, there's one clear team, one clear player, I think that makes way too much sense. And I've seen some Jersey swaps out there and it's Max Scherzer. The the nationals are coming off getting swept by the Orioles who we know how bad they are. And so I think it really, it's reality time for that Max Scherzer in the last year of his deal. um, They'd be foolish to not get anything for him. It doesn't look like contract extensions are going great. Even if, you know, you could pull an old rent him out for two months and re-sign him. And I think Max Scherzer makes all the sense in the world. Get a vet who's been in the biggest games to pair next to DeGrom. Get a super rotation. DeGrom, Scherzer, I don't care if the Dodgers, I don't care if the Giants win out this year. You got to face DeGrom, Scherzer in game one and two of a playoff series. You are in a world of hurt. So I think it makes too much sense for the Mets to not go out. And I, I do trust them, as I said, to go big. That quote from Zach Scott would fire me up if I was a Mets fan. So that's a move that I am looking to happen. A root for it, honestly, as a baseball fan, I think a DeGrom Scherzer rotation would be, you know, one of the 21st century, one of the best rotations I'll remember. And then I think for the Red Sox perspective, it makes too much sense. They have to get a starter. They really do. Quiggs, I know you're the Sox fan here. And I think it's very fair to say they overperformed the rotation. You didn't expect them to be this good. And I think you look at if it's Kyle Gibson in, you know, Texas or a John Gray in Colorado, those guys will get dealt. They think that's pretty certain. The Rangers are going to have a really interesting fire sale. Um, we talked about Gallo before. Kyle Gibson, I expect to join them. I, I think it makes way too much sense for the Red Sox to get one of those two guys. Gibson was an all-star this year. Under team control next year, John Gray will be cheaper. 3-6 ERA, but that is in Colorado. So, you know, you, there's some good signs there. And I think the Red Sox have a great opportunity here. They're playing for Cora. You see the energy in Fenway. I for sure, sure thought this weekend – so I wouldn't, even though the expectations weren't there in the preseason, spring training, I think there are now, and I think you'd be aggressive if for those two teams. So those are some moves that I'm looking at as we're maybe a week or so out here from the deadline. Yeah, as far as the Red Sox go, uh, if they don't make a move at the deadline, I think, I mean, they would 
probably be all right because they have Chris Sale coming back. But I think it would, they would be remiss to completely sit on their hands right now because they have Garrett Richards right now who's trying to relearn how to pitch after not knowing how to pitch before spider attack. So obviously that's an issue for them. Uh, he's just very unreliable. Nick Pavetta has been a very good starter for them this year, and that came out of nowhere. So hopefully he can keep that up. Nathan Evaldi is great. But I think that they still need to add one more starter. And I think the, the one uh, hole for the trade between Max Scherzer and – or the trade for Max Scherzer by the Mets is they are division rivals. And I think although uh, – that's maybe not as big a deal when, you know, you're the Nationals and you're not really competitive right now. Uh, and Zach Scott, the GM of the Mets, said that he wouldn't mind um, trading within the division. I think that the Nationals will be wary of giving their best player to a division rival. Um, and I also think that Max Scherzer is probably likely to be get moved. So I'm going to say that I think the Red Sox should go for Max Scherzer instead because, obviously, I any sort of rotation with Max Scherzer and another amazing pitcher like Chris Sale, if he's at his best, would be relatively unhittable. And then you throw Nathan Nivaldi in there. That's a, that's a very strong starting rotation for the playoffs. And this Red Sox team is a playoff team, even though they had very, very low expectations going into this season. They've shown that they are competitors. They have, you know, kind of been at the top of the AL for the entire season. And I think that addition would be um, a huge addition for them. I also like Kyle Gibson for either the Red Sox or the Mets. Obviously, he's not as established as Max Scherzer, but he's having a terrific year. Just over one whip, uh, 7.5 Ks per nine, 287 or 287 ERA. Um, and, you know, the Mets, obviously, we've said they need pitching depth. And uh, I think that could be a huge addition for them. Also, in the absence of uh, Francisco Lindor, um, obviously, you miss his offense, but you miss his defense a ton. And I think maybe Andrelton Simmons of the Minnesota Twins could be a nice addition defensively. Obviously, he's not having a very strong offensive year with just a 220 batting average, three home runs, 575 OPS, but career fielding percentage, 98%. Um, you know, with Lindor out for the next six weeks at least, you need to patch up that defense because, as you can see from the way the Yankees have struggled, defense really matters especially at shortstop um, and he wouldn't cost too much in a trade. I think that might be a nice deal for them. Um, and obviously everybody talks about Chris Bryant every year with the Mets. Uh, that would be a huge splash, but it would really help out a lineup that, you know, has struggled this season because of injuries and is now finally getting back into a groove. You throw Chris Bryant in that. I mean, obviously you have JD Davis that just came back. Uh, he's played pretty well this year in a very small sample size. Um, but Chris Bryant is a proven MVP champion. That would be a huge splash for the Mets. I don't, I don't think we'll see it happen, but wow, that would change the entire league's pendulum. And I think that would really send the Mets as the absolute overwhelming favorite to take the NL East. You know, in regards to Max Scherzer, it does seem like it does seem like a really good move for the Mets. And, you know, obviously Zach Scott has said he has no problem trading in the division. It does seem like the nationals do have a problem with it. They do. They did kind of say something about it uh, yesterday. So I just, I just don't think it's going to happen, but I, I agree. Max Scherzer is going to get traded. I personally think those three NLS teams are going to have somewhat of a nuclear arms race to try and get Max Scherzer. And I think he'd be a good fit on any of the three of them. Uh, so if, if I were to make my prediction, I would say, 
Max Scherzer is probably going to end up somewhere in the NL West, helping that team win the division. I think whoever gets Max Scherzer might take it all in that in that race. Um, but you know, in terms of just the Nationals, I I do think they they got to sell. I think they got to sell even more than Max Scherzer. Um, one of those big pieces has to go too. I'm not saying it's got to be Juan Soto. Maybe. Uh, but you know, you also you keep looking at the Beltway. Matt Harvey, another former Met, having a great season for the Orioles. I'm not saying he should wind great up. Great season. Calm down. He's having. He's had like a good three starts. He's having. He's having a good three starts, which I is for one thing. It's the perfect time to be having three great starts. I think he also will, is going to end up somewhere other than Baltimore. I don't think it's going to be the Mets. That was it, the thought did run through my head though. Uh, he, he's probably going to end up on some kind of contender too. I think maybe Tampa Bay might be able to use him in some way. That's another in-division trade. So that probably won't happen. But the point is there's so many combinations and mixing and matching that you, you could do. And we've done just a little bit of it for you here. Uh, but I encourage you to go do some of it on your own because uh, it'll make the trade deadline that much more fun. Make bets with people. I encourage it. I really do. But anyways, that is going to have to wrap up this episode of Nosebleeds. It's been another fun one. For Ryan Gregware and Tom Quigley and Miles Grossman, our producer, my name is Dylan Balsamo. Take care. Watch some baseball this week, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.